Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, 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 my friends. I want to welcome all our listeners in the U.S. and around the world. I'm Jackie Laura Jones here with you again for True Forgiveness Teachings. This is a special episode, which is going to air on Tuesday the 26th. I am pre-taping this with our very good friend who's known as Dr. Bob, Bob Rosenthal, co-president of the Foundation for inner peace, and he's been a guest of mine before, both on my video series, The 24th Hour, and on this ACIM podcast, True Forgiveness Teachings. He has an awesome new book. It's the first book in a series that he's writing. It's called From Nevermind to Evermind, Transforming the Self to Embrace Miracles. And it's book one, The Principles of A Course in Miracles series. And I, I just love this book. And I was joking with, with Dr. Bob beforehand, before we went on air, that, you know, obviously you cannot cover um, a lot of all the meat and potatoes in this book in one episode. But I also wanted to direct you listeners, you guys know that our good friend Bruce Rawls, who joins me the first Tuesday of every month. He is also a very good friend of Bob's, and Bruce is going through Bob's book on ACIMblog.com, chapter by chapter. So it's really fun to delve into it. So, hey, without further ado, Bob, welcome back to True Forgiveness Teachings. Well, thank you so much, Jackie. As always, it's a pleasure to be here. And since time is an illusion, I can safely say it feels like no time has gone by at all since the last time. (laughs) And that's because it hasn't really. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. For those of us that have years to hear, it hasn't really, has it? (laughs) Just another present moment. (laughs) It's another present moment. Oh, my gosh. That's right. I. I, there are so many uh, gems, you know, to focus on um, in your book. I just wanted to touch on, on a few here in this first chat of ours, which uh, we'll do some more chats. Um, but, you know, you said in the beginning, <clears throat> Bob, that your, your goal for this book is to get all of us, get the readers started on this path to truth. And what I found is you you start us it's very good like you know obviously believing where we are we're assigning meaning to everything here in the world but we're always wrong (laughs) our view is very myopic (laughs) it's a journey and this is what i love so much in your intro and i think it's in your intro you said you say what if you could have it all only not in the way that you think And I love that because in my first book, I said something to the effect of, I'll share with you how A A Course in Miracles taught me how to get what I really wanted. It's not what you think it is, (laughs) you know? And I love the way that you use, oh my gosh, which we'll talk about OS1 and OS2, Operating System 1 and Operating System 2 to denote the Holy Spirit's thought system and the egos, which is awesome. So, Um, Another thing that you say is we don't know what we want because we believe we are something that we're not. Yes, that's really the whole foundation of the book. Yes, that's what I thought. So let's start there. (laughs) All right. So um, and, you know, and, and if you have other things, we'll drop them in at some point. But let me give your listeners a little bit of um, background here, too. So sometime, I think it was 
fall of 2015 or early 2016, yeah, fall of 2015, um, I hadn't yet taken my, my job here as co-president of the Foundation for Inner Peace, but a guy approached us saying, you know, we'd really love to do a comprehensive series on the principles of A Course in Miracles, and do you have anyone uh, who might be able to do that? And uh, Judy immediately pointed her, Judy Scudwitz, and immediately pointed her finger at me because I'm our resident <laughs> writer. Um, yes. And I was looking at, you know, a serious move six months later to get here in, to California to take this job. Um, and every sensible part of me should have said, no way, I don't have the bandwidth to take this on. But, of course, that was my ego um, being both grandiose and inferior at the same time, which you guys are so good at doing. Sure. And when I checked in, um, because like you, Jackie, I, you know, I ask the Holy Spirit, Jesus, to take on the whole day for me when I wake up, as as you said you do in your book. But when I come on places where I'm triggered into a little bit of fear or uncertainty, then I do a very specific ask. Um, you know, help me in the decision that brought the fear about. And when I went into this one, the answer was a clear, yeah, you need to do this. Um, wow. And, uh, and so I prepared to write what I would call a typical course book, talking about Helen and Bill and their relationship and how the course got started and uh, blah, 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 blah. And right. then I talked to the publishers and they said, oh, no, that's not really what we're looking for. Um, you know, we want something more for people. We want something broad spectrum that will work for people who kind of heard of the course but don't know what it is, as well as for people who really know it well. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Malcolm Gladwell, the New Yorker writer. He's written, what, Blink and The Tipping Point and some wonderful right. books. Yes. And he go he uses stories to kind of weave together this tapestry of a of an idea that encompasses all of them. They said, Yeah, you know, if you could write something like Malcolm Gladwell about the course and of course my ego came in again, you're never gonna be able to do that. Forget about <laughs> it. But by that time I'd already signed the contract. <laughs> of course. Oh so they gosh. had me. So I had to think, you know, as someone who's been working with this this, these teachings a very, very long time as the world judges it, what is the essence? And there, if, if, if I were, you know, stuck on an elevator for five minutes with someone and they were like, oh, you're the co-president of the foundation, what is A Course in Miracles? Where would I begin? And <laughs> right. what came to me was we have to start with the idea that the whole separation from God and where we are and where we think we are is one giant case of mistaken identity, quite literally. Yeah, very good. We're here. Yeah, we're here trying to be happy, and this is what I think you were um, referring to uh, in my intro. We're trying to be happy, but we're starting from the wrong conditions, the wrong premise. Yes. And I, yes. I use some cute little analogies, you know. A cat is never happy chasing cars and gnawing on bones, and you know, when a, a dog wouldn't be <laughs> happy great. stalking a bird. Um, <laughs> you know, we can't find happiness as egos because the fundamental problem of the ego mind is it doesn't know happiness. It's separated from the source of all joy, all love, um, God. So, you know, we're kind of. Uh, you know, I, I love the lyric of that country song, Looking for Love in All the Wrong Places. Oh, and that's me how I start too. the book. You love that yes. one? Yeah. <laughs> I saw that you said that in there, and I actually sang that on a just a couple lines on a podcast with Bruce. He mentioned Beautiful. it, and I was like, Looking for love, for love in all, in all the wrong places. places. <laughs> I, that is, it, that's totally what we, we're looking for everything in the wrong place. We, we, we don't know where we are. We're lost in dreamland. Yeah, but go ahead. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so where I started with the book was all right, let's start where we think we are. And I intentionally didn't use um, the conventional Course in Miracles terms for this book. All the, all the next books will, you know, will use them. But I wanted to um, pull readers into the thought system without having them potentially get triggered 
by terms like Holy Spirit in Christ. And in fact, my mother is reading this now, and of course she is knows right? about the course and has known right? for years. But you know, as a as a nice woman raised in Judaism, uh, these are not terms that she's comfortable with. And she said, "Yeah, I really like it. It's really helping me. The only thing I'm having trouble with is the term Holy Spirit." And I said, "Okay, yeah, you, know, you got to." And I helped her to think of it differently. But so the terms that came to me were the never mind and the ever mind. Love it. Me love too. it, Bob. Uh, I love it. So clever. I feel like that one came, dropped in straight from source, capital S. Um, of course. And, and, you know, what is our never mind? It's the part that says never mind to everything that's important. It's the part that never existed. It's the part that says never to the idea that you can really get what you want because, you know, you're going to die at the end of this game. And it just felt like the perfect label for the ego without, without necessarily having to talk about ego as ego. And then, of course, if that's never mind, the opposite is the ever mind. It's always Love there. It. It's vast, it's broad, it's expansive, it's the exact same thing in all of us. And, um, and I start by looking at what do we think is us? And, you know, whether it's our name, our body, our memories, our life story, um, the values we hold, I, I try to go through them very systematically to show that, yeah, we identify with all of them, but none of them are us. And when you subtract them from your experience of self, what you're left with is this vastness, this presence, this love. Um, it's what the Course tells us. You know, when we remove the, you know, we don't have to learn the meaning of love. We just have to remove the obstacles to the awareness of love's presence. And that's chapter Absolutely. one. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's, oh, gee, just, yeah, only that? Oh, okay. <laughs> this is vast. I think you've done a wonderful job because it's, um, as we all know, any, anybody that's, you know, writing about the course, it is holographic, as you say, yeah. you're saying in the book too, you know, and all of our separated little parts, you know, are part of the whole. But as people read the book, the, A Course in Miracles, the actual book, and you mentioned this too, I was reading in your book, you know, every line, you know, every paragraph or every lesson in the work, but has the whole thing. I mean, it just encompasses the whole yeah. thing. I think you've done a great job with all your stories and everything of, of helping people where they are, you know, and we, we need to be led um, by a different teacher, as <laughs> you say, yeah. you know, out, out of this dream, you know, um, yes. we always think that we know best. Let me just give just a quick, you know, summary of, um, as you said, chapter one, you're talking about, you know, we're sure. hostage by the ego, the never mind, right? It doesn't really have power over us listeners, you know, and Bob also says, talks about one of the things that I love, we can be in the world, but not of it, mm-hmm. which is what the course is um, teaching us to do. In chapter two, he goes into the, that, the nevermind convinces us there's a world out there, right? So, but we can never see the entire picture, right? Never, And right. you, oh, just amazing. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so in chapter one, it's about what is your sense of self and sort of removing all of the, the nonsense that we think is us and that we've been trained to think is us, you know? I mean, oh. none of us are at fault here. You know, we we... Well, we are ultimately at the collective level because we made this silly, stupid decision that we thought we could be separate and right. not to laugh. But, but at the level of our, of our illusionary individual self, you know, this is reinforced everywhere. And, you know, I'll still sometimes think back, oh, wasn't it nice when I really thought I was like this body on this journey through life and I had goals and things I wanted and then I have to do a double take and go, no, it wasn't nice. It was full of loss and disappointment. And, and, right. and the high moments lasted only so long. And then, you know, they either fell apart or they got replaced with the next thing that you wanted to do that, you know, so, so we're on this, you know, we're on this um, treadmill 
And in chapter two, what I what I wanted to do was actually using more um, neuroscience and um, and metaphors because I love metaphors. Really help people see that what we think we're seeing out there is not true. You know, right. it just doesn't exist. Uh, literally, I mean, you know. Your, your, the cells of your retinas and the, the, the cells in your inner ear that produce the sound, they're responding to stuff, but what are they actually responding to? You know, they're, 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 even at the level of science, there's a very good case to be made that, that we're constructing something uh, that, that's unreal. You know, I was talking right. in, in one of my talks with Bruce, I was using this um, a new metaphor that isn't in the book, uh, I remember going to the uh, the beach on Cape Cod, and a short way down, someone had like taken seaweed and bits of driftwood and buoys and you know um, all kinds of junk that had floated up from the ocean, bottles, cushions right. from boats, and put them right. together in this crazy kind of sculpture. And you know you'd kind of look at it and go. Well, I don't know what this is, but I guess it all sort of hangs together. And that's really <laughs> kind of like what the world is. We just find these bits and pieces, and some we like and some we don't like, some we're attached to, some we have aversion to, and we put them all together, and that becomes the world and our life story. But when you start to um, hold it in the light of spirit, you just you, you see how... Um, how porous it is, how how um, transparent, and how ultimately unreal and fragile it is. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I know. It's interesting. You were talking about Chapter 2, and I think it's in there about how we are just, n- never mind can never be at peace. We're yeah. constantly looking to put things together the way we think they should be. We're constantly looking to complete ourselves find happiness externally you you i think in that one you give the example of a child that gets loose in an set them loose in an arcade and there's so much distraction yes 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 and of course the ego's game of whack-a-mole where all right you know you solve (laughs) one problem and three more rise up or you achieve one thing and and six more rise up uh, in one of the later chapters, I, I mentioned my uh, f- my screenwriting career, which was very serious, uh, even though it was um, simultaneous right. with my psychiatry, and how I had this moment. Um, I, I like this story. Your, your you movie like story? shoot. Yeah, I, I, yeah your I'm movie very shoot. fond of it. <laughs> um, I like so this. I chapter four. Yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead. Chapter four, I think you have it yes, in your it's book. In chapter four, exactly. Um, <clears throat> so I had this a screenplay that had been optioned by two different producers, which, uh, you know, you're down in LA. So if you have any listeners there, that actually is a big deal. And, mm-hmm. um, and who knows, had the lawyers not taken so long to negotiate it, uh, maybe Naomi Watts would have been in my screenplay rather than uh, 27 grams, which the producer went on to make instead. Um, Interesting. So uh, an actress, up in uh, Portland, Oregon, decided she really wanted to do it. She really wanted to play the role. And she had so much passion for it that at a certain point I realized I I couldn't say no. So I said yes. And she really, you know, found sets in her town and recruited all of these people. And I flew in for the beginning of the shoot to meet everyone. And they had built a, a set on the banks of the Columbia River uh, because the first scene was a woman jogging by a swing set with children on it. And they built the swing set, and, and at sunset, this woman's jogging. And, and I see, you know, the, the camera rolling, and I'm just filled with this amazing feeling of wonder and joy and beauty, like, here are my words coming to life. Yes. You know, what could be better than this? And then, uh, like two, three days later, the lead actor arrives, and it's clear he's he's kind of want he's he's wanting to make a lot of changes in the script. And I'm telling him, no, you really can't do that; it won't hold together. And then I flew home because, as a psychiatrist, I had patients to you know help and take care of. And I flew back three weeks later for the end of the shoot, 
and it was like it was like heaven and hell you know where before everyone had been in this wonderful mood and we'd gotten along and we're laughing and it's fun right everyone was miserable um this uh. actor had changed all the lines there was a feeling of depression and anger um, he'd gone so far as to sleep with a local 15-year-old who thought he was, you know, like Hollywood uh, uh, extravaganza. And uh. when I finally got the rough cut of the movie, it was so bad. There were so many things that were ruined. It was like your classic ego hitting bottom. Oh, my God, what can I salvage this? And, you know, when I'm scrambling and how much money would it take? And eventually I realized, no, this is unsalvageable. And I had to let it go. And it was terribly disappointing. But here's the thing. Um, in the aftermath of that, the idea for my first book came um, from Plagues to Miracles, which is kind of a, a Course in Miracles perspective on the story of Exodus. Uh, I think we may have talked about that in our first talk. I don't, I don't recall anymore we, where. We did. Did it we was catch awesome. on that? I think so. Yeah. In the the other the other podcast, Twenty Fourth Hour, it was awesome. Yeah, people can yeah. still find that with Dr. Bob at Jackie.News. So go ahead, Bob. Wonderful. <laughs> but so you know, what I reflect on in, in in the book is one: here's the ego's triumph, and I know when I watch the Academy Awards, and I think they're this weekend, as it turns out. They are. So they are by Sunday. the time people are listening, they will have watched them. That's right. Um, <laughs> if you think about it, every single person who goes up there and grabs one of those Oscars and lifts it aloft and gives their speech is going to wake up the next morning going, isn't that great? And what's my next act? What do I do now? Because that's the ego. And that's for every right. one of them, there are going to be four or five people who are sitting in the audience going, wow, I came so close. Now I have to start all over again with some other movie or hope and hope. That's also the ego's world. So whether you triumph or whether you're biting and eating ashes, um, that's the ego's world. <laughs> Absolutely. And the ego loves to keep us focused on the external so that we don't go back to the mind, the mind that's acting actually projecting everything we believe that we're experiencing as a body. The ego wants to keep us out of the mind, doesn't it? So yeah. that we don't choose against us and remember what our true nature is. Remember the truth and um, exactly. go back to the Christ mind, the ever mind, as, as you call it, right? And they which are the will, same thing. Yes, which will wake us up from this, you know, crazy dream or whatever. You know, the ego always promises us stuff, doesn't it, Bob? Like it'll just <laughs> promise us, um, oh, just do this, just follow this path, just do that. And, right. you know, another story that, that uh, I really think was interesting that you told was about the um, guy hiking in the mountains and he had to get a tour guide. Oh yeah, that that was that's 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 more of a, a made up parable. But yeah, I wanted to try to try to show what it was like for the ego when you rely on the ego as a guide. So you liked that? Oh, great! I did. I liked it. The ego and the reason I tied those those together is just because the ego is always tricking us that we're going to get what we want outside of us and. The ego, you even say, I think I marked something here about the ego will promise change for us, but yeah. it won't deliver, it'll deliver, the change will be superficial. It won't be yeah. real. It'll just be exchanging one form of suffering for another, one illusion for a better one, you know? Um, exactly. So if we don't go back to cause, which is what the course is always leading us to, and as your <clears throat> book and the series will lead us to if we don't go back to the mind the ego will just create something else um, to keep us distracted unless we heal the thought of separation that is the cause of everything right exactly so yeah in that uh, section i kind of portrayed the ego as a guide as you know you're being led up a mountain and maybe you get increasingly suspicious uh, because, you know, the trail is getting thinner and thinner, but your guide is like, no, no, trust me, you know, trust keep, me, keep, keep with, yeah, you know, 
Um, oh, okay, you know, maybe I was wrong about this, but now I know. Trust me, we're going to go this other direction. You know, uh, I, I was in that relationship, and okay, relationships with, uh, you know, 60-year-old bankers don't work out. I'm going to go with 20-year-old rock stars next time. You know, I <laughs> <Right>. mean, <laughs> right. and, and this is the ego. But the thing, too, because um, years ago, and I should probably do this again, I looked on Amazon for what was the most popular negative review of A Course in Miracles. Okay, interesting. Up, yeah, right? Was a woman yeah. who'd given it a three-star review, and what she said is, you know, I just – refuse to believe that the world is that bad. I think my life is pretty good. I enjoy it. Um, and therefore, you know, I just couldn't get into this book. And I think that a lot of people do have that experience. You know, it's kind of like, sure. why would you choose to be so pessimistic? You know, um, look on the bright side of life. And I think that that if we go with um, kind of a more Buddhist perspective, the first noble truth that life is suffering, if we think, um, the way I put it to people is, yeah, you might have good moments. You might be shooting your screenplay on the banks of the Columbia River at sunset and feel like it doesn't get any better than this. But as the Course says in Lesson 133, I will not value what is valueless. It says, you know... <laughs> One criterion for whether something is valuable is it has to last forever. Um, yeah. If it doesn't, if it's not eternal, then you're basically building your house on shifting sand, and it's going to come down at some point. And all of the ego's seeming triumphs are built on shifting sand. They're not eternal. We're going. You know, even if my movie had gotten made and even if it had been picked up at some film festival and even if I'd won the award for the Oscar for Best Screenplay, <laughs> as right. I said, then at some point it's like, well, you know, what next? And then, you What's know, people next? at yeah. Starbucks, uh, you know, in uh, West Hollywood are like, oh, that Rosenthal guy. Yeah, you know, he did a decent movie, but hasn't done anything in two years. You know, what a husband. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I, I live out here, and I can say that's exactly how the conversations go sometimes. Yep. Yeah, oh, I I've know been a lot on of, the uh, negative end of those. <laughs> oh gosh, I I, tolerate, I know it, it it really is crazy, and and you you bring up such good points, and you know what? Thank you for bringing. You know, I I love you coming on because you you bring up these gems, like what you were saying about you know the negative review. Um. I hear that a lot from people, um, whether it's in the, the course group I facilitate or just from clients. I might do some, uh, you know, a lot of course mentoring and stuff. But they'll say that, Bob. They'll say, you know, it'll come up every few months or something. Someone will say, I feel that it's so negative. It's just looking at everything that's so negative. And, mm -hmm. and um, you know, there's many answers to that, which we don't have to go into it all on this show. But, you know, I usually tell people you know it's so interesting the ego is is what the course is teaching is that the whole world was made as an attack on god and so even if people it it, it is negative of course this isn't a course in the positive and it says it's not a course in love because love cannot be taught but it aims to remove the blocks that we've put in front of ourselves and love and so I think of it, and I share with people, it's not that it's, itself is so negative. It's just that the ego is negative. The ego yeah. was, is based on attack. And if we really want to awaken from this dream of separation, Jesus is gently giving us <laughs> um, yes. a guide to undo this negative that we've made. And then I follow up with telling them something like, and, and you know this, you've done this thought system for very long. This is just two minutes of a thing. I mean, this could be answered mm -hmm. in many different ways and, and better ways. But in general, I'll, and I will say, you know, I, my internal peace and my joy, I feel joy doing the course, not because of the ego, but because the more I undo the blocks and really connect with more of who I really am as I'm undoing the conflict in my mind and having a better experience, it can, you can be very joyful. It just isn't yes. dependent on anything that's happening in the world, you know? Right. It's not so, conditional anymore. Yep. It's not conditional. 
It's not conditional. And I think that's what is so powerful. You mentioned, too, in your book um, about um, having these uh, experiences. If you have one experience of, you know, um, I don't know that you said revelation, but something that has to do with uh, being connected to who you really are, you know, it'll change you forever. Um, And I love it that you can't go back. And I love it that you say that, that you talk about that in the book, because I, I had one of those experiences where I was looking out my front window here. It was 2005 or six. I can't ever remember exactly the year. Um, And I, everything stopped. I just was looking out on the same street that I've looked, I'd looked at so many times. I love our streets, a pleasant street. And I was looking at the trees and the flowers, the palm trees, the birds of paradise. And I, everything stopped. And it really was that temporary suspension of all doubt and fear. There's a a Mm. second where I knew that everything was okay. Now, I haven't had that since, but I remember enough to know that's what I'm going for. That's the end game. That's, you can't even put that into words. Yeah, you can't put it into words. Um, and, you know, I, I, I mean, this is what we're talking about are what, what are commonly known as mystical experiences. Mm-hmm. And the course is so clear. I mean, in the beginning of the clarification of terms, it says, you know, a universal theology is impossible, but a universal experience is not only yeah. possible, but necessary. But necessary. Maybe Love that. Some of my top, I always joke I have, you know, my top thousand favorite lines in the course. Yeah, that <laughs> might be in my top 20, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really is. <laughs> I agree you with you. about theology... You know, theology is doctrine and it's words and it's concepts and it's all the stuff about this world. But once you have that experience, and that is very much what A Course in Miracles is about. You know, I don't know of any other spiritual system that lays out in a workbook, you know, 365 lessons. Well, actually 361 because the last one's repeated five times. Right. Um, A different lesson every day each one of which is a pure window onto wholeness. Um, And, you know, I started doing them again at the beginning of the year. I hadn't done that in quite a while. Oh, my gosh, me too. Even the early lessons, they're (laughs) pure. You know, even after 43 years, they still speak to me because, as you said at the beginning, Jackie, the course is holographic. Everything contains everything else. But the goal, it's not understanding it's not being able to be a scholar of the course and, you know, oh, I can cite it chapter and verse. Um, right. It's about an ex- a universal experience. It is. And once you have that, yeah, you can't keep it forever. I mean, the course tells us that uh, in, in the manual for teachers, it basically says, you know, if you were trying, if you were in that state of ecstatic bliss forever, you wouldn't stay in a body very long. Because, you know, That's right. why would you eat? Why would you do anything? Right. So we don't need right. to. But, you know, when you have an experience like what you were describing, or some of those I describe in this in chapter three, and, and, and to be clear, I wanted to offer those as if perception isn't real, what does perception look like when you recognize its unreality? And it's not this dark, ugly thing. Love it. It's, it's right. gorgeous. It's beautiful. It's transcendent. Um, and and as you do the course more and more, I think you you be, your perception begins to change. Um, you said something in your book that um, absolutely made me light up. And I don't know. Maybe I heard it wrong, but you said that sometimes you and your sister Cindy will talk, and you'll say the dream is very with us uh, today. Oh or something. yes. We'll say I'm you know, really. Which I took like, as you, you're yeah, really feeling, feeling like it. it's a dream, right? Yes, you got it right. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> I feel that every day, and to my ego mind, it's deeply upsetting. You know, it feels yes, like, of oh, course. what's the matter with me? But if of I course. flow with it, there's a lightness there. There's a, you know. I mean, like today, I got all bent out of shape over a foundation issue about state charitable registrations and and what they require, and it's different for each state. And I'm like, yeah, I thought we had this handled, but maybe not. 
And then it was like, you know, I'm not going to think about this anymore today. I'm giving it to the Holy Spirit. I'll come back to it tomorrow. And I already feel better about it. Ah. Yes, but, Bob, it's a great, it, can it really be that simple? And the answer is yes, it can yes, actually. It can, and it is. It can, <laughs> and it is, it is. And it gets easier, listeners. It, it gets easier. And I think sometimes, you know, it, we I do these shows and everything, and it just, it, it seems like, you know, you, you, you're you so light about it, and oh, but people have serious problems in the world, you know. And um, of course, people do, but this yes, is the beauty do of the course. This is the beauty of the course that it is, it is teaching us from where we are. Jesus says it's given in an ego framework and it's gently leading us and the workbook leading us from this mindlessness lost in this dream world to, to mindfulness and shifting our perception with the Holy Spirit. And you say too, in one of your, I think it's that miracles are natural at the end, you have a shifting perception with the Holy Spirit. And you quote, um, a miracle inverts perception, which was upside down before. And thus it ends the strange distortions that were manifest. Now is perception open to the truth. And this shift in perception when we keep choosing, like your example just now, Bob, where you said, you know what? I've worked on this today. I'm just mm. going to give it over to the Holy Spirit and let it go for now. Like the world didn't end. Things didn't come crashing down, right? right. But you felt right. better because I think when you're coming from that Holy Spirit mind, when you're not making everything as real because you know you're responding to your own projection. That's our yeah. anger. <laughs> when we get triggered and we respond with the brilliance of the course and the way it very gently and kindly with no hurry and go at your own pace teaches us to keep choosing the other part of our mind. Um, operating system one, as you call instead OS of the ego, right. OS one and OS two. Um, as exactly. soon as we choose that, th- if um, the brilliance of the course is that the experience follows thought. So if you choose the Holy Spirit's thought system, you're going to perceive everything differently. So your problem will be there. But then you use it as a class and you say, oh, my gosh, here's my trigger. This was what was triggering me today to, to be a body and that everything out here is really important. But if I go back and I'm looking from the Holy Spirit's perspective, I say, ah, this is my, remember, I made this. I am responding and reacting to my own projection. And then I go right into Lesson 34. I could see peace instead of this. Instead of this, yes. We don't want to every day, but we know we can. Right when the ego has us in our its grips, we we maybe we don't want to. But there was a time when we didn't know we had that choice. Right? Well, I think that's the key: is that we become increasingly aware that in any given moment we do have a choice, um, and that yes. really, as the well course said, said, you know, the remaining freedom left to you here is the power of decision. You know that that when we get in those binds, when we when the ego as guide has led us into a terrible mountain cul-de-sac where we see no way out that we can say, I could see peace instead of this. Um, and, 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 you know, here's the thing it's, and you make this point in your book too. Um, it's not magic. You know, you're not trying to change the world. And this is what distinguishes the course from so many of the new age, what I like to call manifestation technologies, which are not bad because they're teaching you that perception in the world responds to your mind. But the focus is still on, oh, I, as an individual ego self, can get what I want. Yes, Um, very good. Well said. So when you turn it over, the problem, it's not, oh, I need money or I need to do this. Um, I think I may have even said in the book, or maybe it was in my first book, it's not so much that the problem is solved for you, it's that the problem no longer exists in the form that you originally thought it was there. You might, yes. Your per- world of perception might still be structured the same way. That person who you couldn't stand is still there, but they're not a problem in the same way. And when that happens, 
miracles really do occur, not because we're changing the outer world, because we're changing our mind, and the outer world is just a projection of our mind. Um, yes. And, you know, I mean, and, and the form of the miracle isn't up to us. It might be what the world would look at and go, ha, huh, she called that a miracle? Give me a break. Or it might be one of these blow-away, knock-your-socks-off kinds of things where the whole world would sit up and go, whoa, you had that happen? But that's the ego judging it. Either way, a path, an obstacle has been removed from that kept us from the awareness of love's presence. And when it's removed, guess what happens? Love, love just flows naturally um, in to take its place. Because people hear, oh, a miracle is a shift in perception. I don't get it. What's, what's the point? What's so good about that? No, right. it's shifting perception because when you shift it, you remove that obstacle, and now you can see peace. You can experience love. Um, it's not – the problem isn't what you thought. The problem is always what you what – you, the false belief about what you were. Um, the problem, of course, is always the separation. Yes, always goes back to everything that that we experience. All pain and suffering is because of separation. We believe we're separate. We've lost lost that connection with source. Not really, but we believe we had. Which yeah. choosing the ego thought system. Look at how powerful the mind is. We've made up this holographic time space dream. Don't we think that if we choose now the truth, that choose the Holy Spirit, accept the atonement? It can be just as powerful, if not more. It, yeah. it really is more powerful, you know. Um, but we have, you say something here in your book, um, your last chapter, Miracles Are Natural, which I love that title. Uh, because yeah. we remain convinced of our separateness, we cannot achieve this realignment by ourselves. We can't achieve knowing who, being with the truth, of who we are by ourselves. That's why we need help from outside. You say the help of a master therapist, capital T, and that is yes. the Holy Spirit. <laughs> That's right. I love yeah, that. Yeah, it's like we're all insane. No, it's not like we are. We are all we are. insane. We we're are. sharing this mass hallucination delusion. and or, or another way of looking at it, we're all trapped in a virtual reality construct that we've been in it long enough and it's 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 real enough that we're convinced and we don't think there's anything else how do you get out of out of a dream like that how do you get out of a delusion like that you need something from outside that comes in that can show you it's not a dream but if it's too abrupt um you're gonna get terrified or you're gonna get um rejected so it has to meet you where you are and this is where, again, um, you know, I, I love it. There's a line, um, you know, uh, from the section, The Bridge to the Real World, uh, mm, that says, mm -hmm. you know, fear not that you will be lifted up and hurled into reality. Uh, yeah. Another one of my absolute favorites, because the ego will say, uh-uh-uh, watch out. You know, that Holy Spirit and that Jesus guy, you know, they're going to hurt. Okay, even if non-dual God is correct, you're going to lose everything you have. He's going to hurl you in there. It's going to be scary. It's going to be terrifying. <laughs> and, and, and the fact of the matter is, if you were to do that in one fell swoop, yeah, it would be terrifying. Of but course. the curriculum is so perfectly custom designed for each one of us. And, yes, sometimes you need a stronger wake-up call. You know, the alcoholic who's like, oh, I, I can drink. You know, maybe they need to get that DUI to, uh, to say, you know, there must be a better way. Right. Um, but we get what we need when we need it if we turn the journey over to the right guide, the right mind, the Holy Spirit. Um, and until oh. you do... Yeah, you're just wandering lost. You know, as we said, uh, you know, you're going to think you're chasing after something. And in my first book, I used the analogy of uh, of the lines at Disneyland or Disney World, where the first time yeah. you go and you don't realize, you know, and you're like, oh, the line isn't that long. We just have to get. And then, you know, you go through a door and you realize you're in another room at the end of it's the line. Whole, you thought you were, it's a maze. Right? 
yeah. and that happens, you know, four or five times, and eventually you're like, wait a minute, I think I got hoodwinked here, and by the right. time you're thinking that, oh, now you're on the ride, you know? <laughs> exactly. That's the ego. <laughs> That's right. That's a great example. We just don't know. I mean, we think we know, and we just don't know, you know? We're just lost in a projection that we believe believe that we're in it's just incredible you know if there's new people listening of course and seasoned people too but i want to point out um something too about your um examples that you use with um did multiple personality um dissociative identity disorder just as an example for people um you you say there's an important parallel here with did and its treatment alter personalities regard themselves as real unique and independent of one another but the therapist must not join them in their false conviction if the treatment is to succeed even though the therapist interacts with each alter as if it were real separate and distinct she must always keep in mind that they are aspects of a greater unity imaginary parts within a very real whole in the same way we who see ourselves as private minds and separate bodies must be willing to defer to the holy spirit's vision of us and our implicit unity if we hope to override the ego's os2 and experience (laughs) miracles i love that's a lot packed into that one paragraph you wrote bob because it just shows how we need help out of the dream, what you and I were just saying. The Holy Spirit can see everything. Our view is very myopic, and we believe that we're separate, and I'm looking at my husband, Mark, who's separate, and oh, and there's my sister, Cindy, and oh, here's Bob on the show. And, you know, eventually we come to recognize that it is our projection, and we're still normal here on the in the world. We just have a different teacher in our minds. We're able to walk through the world. And back to what we said at the beginning of the show, what I experience a lot is just being in the world, but not of it. We're doing right. normal things. We have a different guidance system, a different teacher in the mind. We're removing conflict, and through true forgiveness, we're not furthering illusion. We're waking up. And when we make that choice, we make the choice for the entire sonship because we're one with it, right? And and we are called towards that which we are uniquely suited to do within the ego's world of illusion. So, so here you are, um, you know, doing this 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 show, and you do it regularly, and you're obviously a very good host, hostess. No, I like host. <laughs> you know, hostess, yeah, that's um, right. And and you know you're not um i don't know you know you're not a bartender uh, although and i don't mean that in a derogatory way cuz i think bartenders are some of the best therapists in the country um, sure <laughs> you know you're not working for a marketing firm that might be marketing a really good product you know my point right. is um and 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 for those who are new this is maybe particularly important we do cherish our uniqueness. We do cherish our specialness. And it is an absolute impediment to experiencing the universal, unconditional love that is God's. But what the Course tells us is that when we step back and let the Holy Spirit become our guide, He will allow us, give us, assign to us a special function that at one and the same time will be our path home as well as helping all of our um, estranged brothers and sisters find their path home. And so, you know, I mean, there's, there's a great paragraph, I think it's in chapter 25, but it says something like, you know, you wanted specialness. Okay, so the Holy Spirit's going to give it to you, but once again, not in the form that you thought you wanted it. He's not going to make your little individual self special at the expense of everyone else. He's not going to shine a light on your differences, whether those are remarkable and makes you special in a good way, or whether you're just the worst human being that ever got born on the planet and you're so special in a negative way. Um, He's not going to do any of that. 
but you will be guided and led to that path that allows you to use your personality, your traits, your skill set, what what have you, um, maybe just the happenstance of where you got born and the set of circle of friends you have, to use those in service of the atonement. And so it looks yeah. like we're doing, you know, in a way it's almost a big um, ruse because we're here thinking, oh, look, you know, we're doing our radio show and we're serving spirit. Um, all we really need to do is, is accept atonement for ourselves, but, but ourselves is really oneself. So as we walk the path, we make it easier and more likely that other people will do that, and we will find you know, our, our, the function that allows us to be most helpful. Um, you know, there's a yes. prayer in the course that we say at the foundation before every meeting, and it starts, I am here only to be truly helpful, and mm. that is true. Truly helpful means helping ourselves and in the process helping other people through the guidance of the Holy Spirit to wake up. So we're all here only to be truly helpful. But we find that when we let go of our idea and go with spirit. Oh, absolutely. And then, the, well said, Bob, and then the Holy Spirit just uses what what we made of ourselves. We made ourselves the... the um, the therapist, the janitor, the mother, the school teacher, you know, whatever it is. And we just, we just use for the, uh, all our skill sets under the guidance of the Holy Spirit instead of the ego. And we're all the same. And that's so funny that you said that because I just wanted to read something else from your book that I, that I loved that kind that goes into this, which was, um, you're, uh, this is the, the call the call of wholeness um, chapter mm, and four. chapter four. So th- this is about all of us joining. You say to conclude this chapter, I would like to offer one final example of individuals joined in a shared group purpose in which each member is equal and valued for her contribution and where the whole, although composed of parts, is so much more than the sum of those parts. In a choir, each singer has a unique voice which makes a unique contribution. The sopranos don't envy the contraltos or vice versa. Neither is special. Members may stay or leave as they choose without the group breaking apart. New members can join at will, provided that they have the talent and make the commitment. The result? Together, the group produces a sound that no individual voice or combination of instruments can hope to duplicate. When singing in a choir, your voice does not stand out, but you don't lose anything by it. You gain, because what you hear when you open your mouth and sing is now the entire choir, all voices as one, and you hear this as if it were your own voice coming from you. For this group, the part has become the whole. And I just love that because oh, thank you. people get. I forgot oh, that. <laughs> oh, I just, yeah. I just like I said. There's so many things that I've marked, and we're coming to the to the end here. So we'll I'll, we'll have you back again, and we'll chat about more things because be I think it's so helpful to people. But I wanted to read that because I think one of the confusing things. I don't know if you find this in your many years decades of practice but i find that that people are asking me either again in the course group or in private sessions one of the hardest things is they're worrying about what they're doing here like we're so the ego's involved in just competition and getting ahead and and all these things and they're like well i i don't think that my job is very spiritual and i have a a client who's an accountant and i said well you know what Every job is spiritual when you're yeah. using it for the Holy Spirit's purpose, which is forgiveness of your dream. The job, the external, is not what's important. I think it gets confusing sometimes if you teach a spiritual thought system or you teach the core, like that's important. You know, No, it's in the back of my mind, as I'm sure in yours, Bob, I, I'm very aware right now that I am dreaming and I turned this episode over and I want it to be helpful to people. Yes. And there's nothing special about it, meaning 
I'm just doing like you pointed out. I majored in broadcasting. I enjoy it. I'm I major I also heavily schooled in psychology. I enjoy that. So guess what? That's what I do. <laughs> but how I do it is not up to me. But the exactly. Holy Spirit will use my my skill sets as yours. And I know that comes up a lot for people about what they're actually doing. And I get that. And you will be guided to stay or leave. But the point more is you could leave peacefully or in rage. Or you could stay and be in anger or stay in a job and be peaceful. We want to always remember the course is going back to content, which is always what's in the mind. And form is just effect. And sometimes it changes, sometimes it doesn't. But the beauty of this thought system is it leads you to a peace that path is, un- path is understanding that you it doesn't matter what's going on in your dream. You can still be peaceful. That's a blessing, right? Yeah, I mean, in terms of people, you know, stuck in what feels to them like a terrible dead-end job, I mean, the ego is always going to try to um, take form and make it special. When we say form, we mean the particulars of the world that we live in. Uh, You know, one house is better than another. One relationship is better than another. One car is better than another. And if we look at it that way, it's pretty inevitable that somewhere along the line we're going to come up feeling like we're lacking. Uh, and yeah. even if we get what we want, then we're going to feel like, oh, we must be better than other people. Um, right. So it's never about form. Uh, and you might be more impactful if you are in what seems like a terrible job um, there's a guy in our Course in Miracles group here, and I don't want to go into too much detail, but he's in a terrible job with people who are bullying and nasty, and you know, uh, and, um, and 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 when he first came into the group, all he could do was talk about how how angry he was, and this one did this, and this one did that, and now a year and a half later, he's really you know using the course, and and realizing he has to transform himself. And as he does that, it is inevitable that the people around him will have to respond differently. It's law. They can't not because minds are joined. This is how we affect change. And I would say if that guy changes one person in his workspace even a little bit, he has contributed mightily to the salvation of all mankind. So we can't really evaluate the impact of what we're doing. Um, And there's that great line uh, in the course uh, that says, you know, some of what you've judged to be your greatest advances are really failures. And some of the things you think are your greatest failures were your greatest um, advances. That's one of my favorites. (laughs) Right? Isn't that a great one? It, It all goes to we don't know we don't you know, I was know. gonna curse, but you know, we, right. we don't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> we don't. And that's one of my favorite thousand quotes, right? Like you were yep, saying you too. have like a no, but I do think it's like maybe one of my top twenty. I, I really do. I, I think that is such a great one. We again we we can't we can't we judge can't evaluate it. You know, we really can't. I mean, we can't. You know, in the book uh in the novel Siddhartha by Herman Hesse Oh, you know, yeah. which is really about the Buddha, where does yeah. he wind up? You know, he he, become, he goes through all the, the ascetic phase, and then he's a homeowner and, you know, and has a sensuous marriage and gets rich, and then he leaves it. And where does he wind up? He winds up being a ferryman, you know, um, a ferryman helping people get across the river, which, you know, is there any better metaphor around than that? It looks like a very simple, low-end job, but... It's perfect. He's enlightened. He's, you know, and so, you know, when we, when we get where we need, you know, when we let the Holy Spirit guide us, wherever we are, we become ferrymen and women, you know, anyone who comes in contact with us has the potential to be opened to a new level. And that's your real work. And the form doesn't matter whether you're a, a, a toll collector or a garbage man or the president of the United States. Everybody's where they're there. We can't be anywhere else than where the script we're viewing at the time. Hey, Bob, I want you to mention your website. I we're coming up on going to get off here and 
30 seconds. I was having so much fun. I forgot about the time. I so know you have a new website. website. Is Dr. Bob Author, D R B O B Author.com. If you want to read some samples from uh, Nevermind, from Nevermind to Evermind, I have them there. I also have some information about my other books. And, um, and you know, check it out. And if you have friends or relatives who don't understand what's about, what the course is about, this is a great book for them to start. Uh, I think it speaks I to people it. wherever they are. Yeah. I think it does too. And I'm going to have you back. And I hope it doesn't cut us off. Bob, thank you so much for your time today. It was thank wonderful. You, we'll do a we'll do a part two. <laughs> All right, it's been great. Okay. Talk to you Love later. You. Bye bye. Bye everyone. Love you all. Blessings.